Okay, take two of the Opposing E Matrix show on the 15th of March 2021 here on the left coast in beautiful Oregon. Uh, Oregon's beautiful scenery wise, uh, people wise, well, we'll leave that up to your opinion, okay? Um, Anyway, uh, Brian is not with us tonight. Brian is, is moving um, this week from one location to another. And um, he graciously uh, asked me if he could have the day off. And I said, yeah, of course. You know, you're not bound to this show. Um, you can have the day off anytime you want. You know, I'm the one that's responsible for it. Um, anyway, uh, we're going to get into later talking about UFOs and portals. And I've got some stuff I want to show you, and I want to talk with you about a series that I just saw on TV that I thought was quite interesting. Um, very interesting. My wife and I binge-watched it, as a matter of fact, on my days off. Um, bring you a little up to speed on what's going on with uh, Opposing the Matrix. As you can see, I have a, um, a background behind me. That'll just be for this week alone. I've tried... <laughs> I've tried so many different ways to use, um, let me take these things off, I don't need them right now. I've tried so many ways to use um, these different gadgets that they have for projecting backgrounds behind me. And when I wear my earphones, well that doesn't work because it puts green like up in here. And I look like I'm being abducted by aliens. And. Um, I'm not being abducted by aliens. They're not aliens anyway. But um, So I tried that, and I tried a variety of different things, and, and I see that some of the professionals on TV don't even have um, uh, very good quality, actually. Uh, I say professionals. My wife watches... Hold on a second. My wife watches a, uh, a lot of uh, murder mystery things where they try to solve unsolved mysteries and stuff. And um, they have these guys on there that get on there. And there's two, three, sometimes four. And it looks like they're using maybe Zoom. And um, I don't know what their secret is. I think if their secret is that they have earphone, microphone, the microphone's down here on the cord and um or they use earbuds or something like that me and earbuds do not get along so that's not going to happen <clears throat> at least not in the foreseeable future anyway i tried to like i said with this thing in the background this green screen and uh, oh that's all you hear about is oh the green screens are great the green screen this the green screen that well the green screen stinks as far as i'm concerned and starting next week you're going to see uh, um, an image that looks like a uh, a bookshelf uh, with a couch behind me and uh, it's a print and that way <laughs> um, i won't be projecting um, something almost like a holograph onto a green screen um, how they do it in, in uh, television studios and stuff, I don't know. And frankly, anymore, I don't want to know. I don't care. Um, anyway, so that's what we're going to be going with next week here on this end of the, of, uh, the Opposing Matrix show. Um, for some reason, I have delusion or resistance on my mind, so let's get that out of the way. Um, 
as you know that I, I've the administer and um, administrator and have been since 2001. So this is the 20th anniversary actually of uh, delusionresistance.org, and um, it's it's been fun. It really has. I used, before I got onto this kind of format or the radio, I. Um, I wrote a lot. I, I, I wrote a lot. And uh, I love writing. And I find that my most creative time is between 10 at night and 3 in the morning. Um, I don't know why, but but it is. And I've, sometimes at 3 in the morning, I find myself where it's hard for me to go to bed. I just want to keep writing. I could probably write until 5 or 6 in the morning, you know. And, and then i got to waste the whole rest of the day. <laughs> so... Um, and I don't think my wife would like that very much either. So, um, and uh, you know, when, when you're married, you're uh, you're one flesh, and if part of the flesh is aching or part of the flesh isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing, then the rest of the flesh suffers. Um, you bang your your finger with a hammer while you're you're building a fence or something, and. Um, your whole body may not hurt, but it sure takes the attention away from the rest of your body, doesn't it? And uh, and it can make your whole body hurt. Or if your foot hurts, your whole body does hurt uh, because you can't walk. And if you try to walk, it uh, you know you're favoring one leg and it throws your hip out, and then that throws something else out. And if you're young and you're laughing at this, don't worry, your time's coming. I promise. Don't worry. <laughs> if if you know. Yeshua um, tarries and we and we go that long. You you will experience it. Um, anyway, so uh, with uh, delusion resistance, what happened was um, I've had it on the same web server. Um, it was called, or I guess it still is because it's still active till the end of the month. Webnet seventy seven, and it's a Christian organization. And man, the guys were great there. Um, <coughs> Pardon me, I'm sorry. Uh, there was a guy named Lance that worked there, and a couple of other guys that, if you had problems, they, you know, even if they didn't have to work on it technically, they would always uh, work on it for you and and get everything fixed up. And oh man, they were so great to work for. And then one day, um, must have been right around the first of the month, I got a newsletter that said Webnet 77 is closing down effective March 31st, and I went, oh. Well, you know, thanks for the learning. And so I tried to write to them, and uh, it looks like maybe they're staying up to have um, uh, business, just to cater to businesses. And I'm like, well, you know, a business account isn't much more than a regular account, so maybe I'll just get a business account. And I wrote, and I never got a response. And then I realized I had to move, and I wrote, and I won't, because you, you got to get something called an EPP code. And that allows you to move your domain to a to a different um, provider, and I never got answers, and um, so it's been a mess. Um, it should be up by the end, or it should be still be going by the end of the month. Um, I have moved it to uh, a provider that actually that one of their subcontractors holds the the um, oh, what would I say the the right to delusionresistance.org. And uh, they work with the people that I just got the uh, the new website with, and uh, so I should be able to transfer all the files over there and, and keep the website up and running. And also, I, I bought um, DelusionResistance.us, and uh, so that'll be basically a mirror site for um, 
for .org, okay? And which may be good. Um, it's more expensive, but it may be good. Um, so that's been the ordeal with that. And every day I look for an email saying that everything's up and running. And uh, heck, today's what the fifteenth. So you know they better get a crack in or else. But it won't have anything to do with this radio show. And this radio show will go on uh, no matter what. It's uh, it operates in a whole different venue. Um, so here we are. I'm doing this on a program that I got uh, when I bought the Logitech camera. I was able to download it, and um, it's a program that uh, Logitech uses, and it's pretty darn good. It lets you do a lot of tweaking and stuff like that, except it doesn't work on the green screen <laughs> um, very well. And uh, I tried Chroma, uh, Chroma Key or whatever it was, and that didn't work. So anyway, I don't want to go back over that. Uh, so. We are, um, uh, next week, you know, you'll see a nice picture behind me. Hopefully. Okay. This year, I use hopefully behind everything, or God willing, or God willing and the creek don't rise, you know. Um, 2020 or 2020 was um, a very interesting year, but all of the uh, garbage that happened in 2020 is, is being cartered off the landfill of 2021. And um, it feels like I live in right in the center of the landfill, sometimes of 2021. Um, with, with work, things are interesting. Um, I, I would love to retire this year around May. And it's my plans. I'm going to be taking an early retirement, which means I'll be getting a lot less money from Social Security. But I, I think I can augment that with part-time work or whatever. Um, my wife works also, so uh, hopefully we'll be able to, to maintain the same lifestyle that we have now. And uh, I don't foresee anything going wrong in that area, you know. And, um, you know, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. <laughs> um, but it's been a very interesting year health-wise. It's been an interesting year um, no matter what way you look at it. Uh, we've got this knucklehead in the White House and uh, that uh, doesn't know his rear end from a hole in the ground. And, uh, you know, we don't know from day to day whether uh, we're going to be a republic tomorrow or Chinese troops are going to be marching down the streets. God help us if that happens. Um, but anyway, uh, things are are interesting that's all i'm going to say is things are very interesting around here and i'm sure in your lives too um i'm not the only one i, I once uh well i still know a pastor down in uh, sacramento and uh, he said that if uh, you're following yeshua or he said jesus but if you're following yeshua um faithfully and earnestly and wholeheartedly that you'll have a target painted on your back and boy oh howdy he was right about that um speaking of boy howdy um you might be asking about the hat um what is a what is a city boy from new jersey doing wearing an aussie um outback hat <laughs> well um i look kind of goofy in real cowboy hats uh although i like them I really do, but you know, this kind of hat affords you a lot of protection. Um, when it rains, the rain hits the brim and it just falls off the front or the back and it doesn't get you wet. 
when it's warm, the leather keeps you warm. Um, there are just some, as in the hot weather, you'll not see me wearing this hat. You'll see me wearing a baseball cap, if you see me at all. <laughs> um, but uh, I wear this to work and everything else, and I think I'm the only one that wears that like this to work. And um, I think people kind of look at me like, oh, there's a guy that lives on a farm. And boy, I always wished I grew up on a farm. Uh, growing up uh, six miles from Manhattan in New York, in, in New Jersey, um, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a good thing. I mean, made it out alive and everything. It made me strong, taught me how to fight and everything. But um, I we had we had a I had a cousin up in uh, New York State. Um, uh, Richard and Robert Elliott, two, two cousins, they were married to my grandmother's, uh, excuse me, they were sons of my grandmother's sister, Alice, um, and their last name was Elliott, which is interesting because I saw a doctor today with the last name Elliott in the same spelling, and, you know, we hit it off right away, and I wanted to find out if we were related, and we never did come to any conclusions, but it's quite possible. That's uh, with the two L's and the two T's is uh, is not really a common spelling. It's spelled a lot different ways. But um, anyway, they had an apple farm up in um, Saugerties, New York, and uh, it's uh, probably about an hour, an hour and a half from where we lived. Uh, and we would go up there every well, a lot of times during the summer. And they had a house that must have been made like around 1840 or 1850. It was beautiful, almost like a Victorian-style house. And they had lots of land. Uh, they had two creeks running through their property. Um, I got to see my first snake up there, which really freaked me out. It was a little baby snake, maybe about that long. But I was only about, uh, probably about six or seven years old, and it scared the bejeebers out of me. And I went running and got my dad, and he killed it. Um, I kind of feel bad about that now. I don't think it was a dangerous snake. But, um, you know, you're a kid, and you don't know any better. But uh, we used to do things like shoot trout in the creek, you know, and then catch them and eat them and stuff like that. And um, anyway, I'm really digressing off of what I wanted to go into tonight, but I hope you forgive me for that. But it's me alone, and i got to use up to two hours, right? Hopefully. Um, anyway, uh, oh, there's good news. Russ Tanner is uh, still trying to get a hold of his friend Laura, and they may be on the show soon. Um, praise the Lord. Oh, and also I got another good news. I was talking with Gordy Tong. You've you've probably heard Gordy Tong on this radio show. He's um, fellow lives up in Vancouver, BC. Uh, when it comes to the paranormal and weird stuff, I'm telling you, Gordy is the source. Uh, we sit on the phone, and that's all. I just listen, and I hear. Did you hear about? Did you hear about? Have you heard about? Have you seen? You know <laughs> everything else, and and. Uh, it's just amazing some of the stuff that uh, that Gordy knows, and um, and I just love it when he comes on the show and shares. Um, he was a little hesitant when he found out we we're doing a video show. I don't know why. You know, I think he's a pretty you know pretty decent looking guy and everything. Maybe he's just shy. I don't know. Um, anyway, so you know that's there's two uh, different people that are lined up basically for future shows. So I just saw the thing pop up on here, and I figured, hey, what a good opportunity to let you know. Um, so um, where, where the heck was I now? 
Um, oh, yeah, okay. So um, uh, many of you know that back in um, 2017, I was do diagnosed with colon cancer. Uh, and, you know, even to this day, and I know you can't go back and change your mistakes from the, in the past, but um, year prior to finding out that I was supposed to have a colonoscopy and I didn't go. And I should have gone because when I went in 2017, they found quite an advanced cancer in my um, one of my ascending colon, and um, they rushed me. Uh, I mean, I was I wasn't even out of the hospital. I was getting phone calls from surgeons and and everything else, making a date for me to go get this thing removed. That's how important they thought it was. So that was in April, and in early May of uh, 2017, I went in and went under underwent surgery where they basically re remove most of my ascending colon that's the part that comes up from the uh, where your appendix is so I have no appendix I got a free appendicitis uh, excuse me not appendicitis uh, an appendectomy uh, when I when I had this done so I never have to worry about that <laughs> but um, it, it changes your life forever believe me it really does because uh, all of your habits change if you know what I mean um, so, so anyway, anyway um, um, I've been, I've been checking, checking out pretty good, good when I go, go for my CT scans, scans and I go, go for my blood tests and everything. And everything. The, uh, the the blood the um, markers for the cancer are are very low, which means that it's not there. Uh, the CT scans always come out clean and everything. However, uh, recently I've been feeling kind of funky. I mean, on top of having COVID you know, last year, probably twice, um, and fracturing a rib at work and, and everything else um, uh, I just been feeling weird I just sometimes I get a little dizzy I, I go to stand up and move forward and I just keep going and I have to catch myself um, brace myself against the wall or something like that and um, no thank no blacking out thank God and and stuff like that but uh, anyway so um, other things have come up to where I went and um, saw the doctor today and um, two of my blood tests came back kind of weird so um, waiting to see what happens with that so if you're a praying person all your prayers are appreciated um, ahead of time and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with that but um, anyway uh, well let's see how long have we been on here yeah, it figures. The last thing this thing gives you is a clock. Oh, okay, there it is, right up there in big red letters. It's been on 18 minutes. Okay, I, 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 I want to kind of space out the time evenly um, because I don't know if the content will go that long. But um, but maybe we'll jump into it, and if we have time later on, we can continue what we were talking about just now. But um, for the longest time, I think probably for a good 20 years now, I have been of the opinion that uh, a lot of this paranormal stuff that you hear about, whether it's Mothman, um, Bigfoot, um, what are some of the other ones, skin, Skinwalkers and stuff like that, that it's all demonic or fallen angelic in nature. I don't think it's um, a coincidence that whenever Bigfoot is seen, there's always a UFO in the area or many times there's a UFO sighting or a flap that's going on in that area. And, uh, you know, 
two anomalies in nature happening at the same time are, are most likely related to one another, okay? Um, so anyway, with that in mind, uh, my wife and I, uh, we started watching a series. Um, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to try something here. Bear with me. I have never, ever done this before, okay? Um, and... Uh, I hope this works okay I can go to two different windows here and it's kind of neat because I'm going into infinity there if you look at it um, but um, I, I've got a couple of things that I um, I looked up the skinwalker ranch thing and I hope this is what I have on here yeah I, I, it doesn't go into detail but it just gives the name there was a series that came out. It's The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. It was a TV series. It was a documentary, but it was a, um, each one of them is a little over an hour or, or an hour. And uh, it's a bunch of scientists that actually went out to Skinwalker Ranch, which is uh, an area um, in northeast Utah, a uh, patch of land, uh, all surrounded by um, Indian territory. And um, a lot of weird things happen there. Um, there's, there's, uh, well, the skinwalkers, of course, the, uh, uh, you, a lot of UFO sightings, cattle mutilations, um, you can see here it says a team of expert scientists takes, uh, an exhaustive research at, uh, Skinwalker Ranch and in an infamous location for paranormal UFO activities. Um, and it looks like it's from back in 2013, but, um, look at this, 2020. Okay, so uh, I think we watched the series from, I could have sworn it said 2017, and if I run down here, I don't see any 2017s anywhere, but um, anyway, uh, maybe we were watching the 2020, and they, they, but they definitely said that they were going to come out with a second one, and, um, and that's really cool, because that's, I want to watch this, it's very interesting. Um, and let me um, show you something that hopefully it'll come up minimize that okay and uh, I'm gonna do this and get rid of that okay um, that gives me kind of a better field of view here um, wow look at that looks the mice look like fireflies um, and, and I noticed for a lot of younger people, this is kind of like old technology. For, for me, it's kind of neat. Um, yeah, I'm only 62, but still, I was around when the first computers came out, and you weren't, so na-na-na-na-na-na. Anyway, um, let's see. So, um, back, I don't know exactly what year this was, but I think it was uh, probably around 2008 somewhere around there um, <clears throat> my wife has three daughters from a previous marriage and and they're just like my daughters you know they um, they've accepted me and I'm their their stepdad and you know to some of them I'm awesome to others I'm a burden I guess but um, but the, isn't that what you get when you get kids right um, I don't have any kids of my own so this has been a real adventure um, but I love them dearly 
um, and I'm not going to say their names, but uh, the one that lives kind of close to us is is an awesome young lady and um, very giving and very loving and uh, love her to death. Um, but anyway, so the the middle daughter and the older daughter were. Um, out on a, a porch uh, down in I think it's called Oakdale or something it's down around Eugene uh, Oregon and they were out on the porch out in the country and uh, the one daughter uh, I think it was well, I'm not going to say their names the middle daughter um, noticed uh, a light in the sky that shouldn't have been there and uh, it was moving around a little bit and she told the older daughter you know or I I don't know how the story goes either she went in and got the camera or the older daughter went in and got the camera and they took a picture of the thing and the thing in the picture uh, it it was moving towards them so when you see this picture you're going to see a whole bunch of squiggly lines okay now this isn't the regular picture this is the blown up picture I'm going to put on here and I'm going to point something out to you and and then we'll talk some more about Skywalker Ranch, okay? Um, so let me uh, open this up. And if you can see this, my goodness, I hope you can see this. You see all the squiggly lines, right? And then you see a dot right there. Okay, that dot I think is very important. But if you look up here, right here where my mouse is going, what do you see there? I very clearly see the head of a gray alien looking right at the camera actually <laughs> almost like he's putting on a show and then if you look over here you can see the the lower body of an alien one arm another arm and up here you can see the head now I can't tell if he's staring straight ahead or if he too is looking at us like this one but it appears that he's almost like he's driving a vehicle okay um, and this light here, I do believe, is the wormhole, or we, we would, the scientists would call it a wormhole, but a portal, where they came into our reality from their reality. But this here is unmistakably a gray alien head. Uh, there's no other way to look at it. Okay, and this is a blown-up picture. You can tell because it's all grainy and everything, but it's untouched. It has not been altered in any way. Um, my daughter, middle daughter, will attest that this happened. And um, and I thank her for supplying this picture, and um, it's just it's just amazing. And um, by the way, if you don't know, Brian is um, is basically it, Brian is my ex-wife's husband, <laughs> or the husband of my ex-wife, or the ex-husband of my wife. That's put there. We go, the ex-husband of my wife. Um, and a lot of people think that's kind of weird that we would be so close and everything. But, you know, um, when Yeshua is part of your life and part of your family, then he heals all wounds. Okay. Um, I'm not the one that was hurt by this relationship breakup. My wife was. She was hurt a lot. But she's forgiven Brian. And... Brian has accepted that forgiveness and and it's just been a wonderful experience and it's just been quite a what a, a testimony to the girls and to to other people that two people that separated on well they weren't hateful terms or anything like that but separated anyway um, are, are so close and can be so 
friends with one another. It's, you know, my, my mother and father never did that. You know, they, they would always say hello, goodbye, how are you, and stuff like that. But it was very, very uh, general in uh, conversation. But, you know, they they talk freely like uh, like they're best friends. And, and that's, I'm cool with that. I really am. And, um, and Brian is an awesome dude. He really is. I, I love Brian with all my heart. And um, so anyway... It's his middle daughter and my middle stepdaughter um, that took this picture. I do believe it was it was her, and um, she swears that it was true and really. And a lot of times when you see people taking pictures of UFOs, you see all this right here. And I think a lot of this has to do with. Um, First of all, they're coming in from a period or from a dimension where time is different if it if it exists at all. Okay. It must exist in some way or another because it's still part of the universe. It's still part of God's created universe. It's probably distorted. Maybe it's the sixth or seventh dimension. Who knows? Um, the fourth is time. So it could be the fifth or sixth. But um, they're clearly entering into our reality. Now, where they went after this, I have no idea. I think the light blinked out. This went away, and they were they were gone. Um probably off to harass somebody in the area uh, maybe they were going to perform an alien abduction or something now that right there could possibly be a UFO I, I am of the opinion also that UFOs may be the vehicle um, or the portal itself that brings them into this reality okay um, so anyway there it is again there's the head of the gray alien you see the two eyes you see the the real small nose and uh, you can almost make out a real small mouth right there and this guy's driving right here driving what I don't know but maybe he's at the control panel of whatever they're in um, so anyway I thought that to be quite interesting now in Skinwalker Ranch I'm, I'm gonna go back to a regular view of just me if I can do that here okay there we go um, in Skinwalker Ranch uh, in the series um, I found it quite what was interesting about it is uh, these guys were approaching it from a total scientific view and and I believe that they, they can discover something scientifically the, the the total answer would be scripturally if they had a um, somebody like me or Jim Wellhelmson or Brian down there to kind of help them out to understand what uh, that um, dimensions are really um, or the doors to dimensions are really portals into the demonic world um, and and they would accept that then we could we could really figure out or help them to figure out what's going on we know what's going on okay um, we know that these entities are coming into this world to create create havoc possibly to, to abduct somebody and to obtain sperm and ovum um, in any case they're coming here for a reason and the two that I showed you and and the rest of them too um, so anyway, the premise of this whole Skinwalker Ranch thing is that there's a, um, a millionaire, he may even be a billionaire, I'm not sure, uh, that is in Salt Lake City. His, his office is in Salt Lake City, which makes me believe that maybe he's of Mormon extraction, but that doesn't mean anything in this case, um, except that maybe he's trying to find a, a path to Kaloob or something like that. But anyway, um, he's never mentioned that, and I don't know. So... Um, you know, Mormons have a certain look to them, and he just looks Mormon. I'm sorry. Um, 
and I don't mean anything bad about that. They just always look clean cut, almost too clean cut. Um, but um, unless they're the the kind that um, abduct little children or something that live way out in the in the desert and stuff like that and have five or six wives, those are the ones that usually look like um, you know guys with real long beards and stuff like that, real scruffy looking. Um, this is this not scruffy looking. This is pretty trim. Anyway, um, so they they all gather together with this guy. Um, there's two scientists for sure. There's another guy that's more like a scientist engineer. Um, there's other photography people. There's a couple of people that are part of security um, that look like they're they're the kind of people you wouldn't want to mess with. Okay. And uh, sometimes they have the clearest heads there because they they're worried about the security of uh, of everybody there. And um, so anyway, they started to you know hear rumors that you never dig in the ground there because when you dig in the ground, weird things start happening. Um, that there's been stories of um, wolf-like creatures that are in there, uh, very large wolf-like, sometimes walking on two legs, two hind legs, instead of on four, like a normal canine. Um, and uh, what else? Like I said, UFO, a lot of UFO encounters happen there, cattle mutilations, um, which didn't start up until, again, until after they <laughs> started doing their scientific uh, uh, experiment. Well, anyway, um, they started to they have all these meters, and it's amazing. It really is. I'd love to be with them when they do this stuff. It's It would be my life's ambition. Um, but they have all these meters, and these meters detect radiation. They detect radio waves so the, the, through the whole spectrum of the radio waves. And um, so they were, they were going along, and they were starting to realize that... Uh, the, uh, the focus of the um, all the interference and everything wasn't coming from the ground or anything on the or near the ground it was coming from above and they they surmised let's see they were at like 5,000 foot elevation and they real, they surmised that um, that this uh, this focus of this energy was about uh, 5,500 feet above them which would make it what uh, 10,500 feet, you know, above sea level. But anyway, um, so they started uh, experimenting. They, um, I remember they launched a balloon with equipment on it. It got to right about the 5,000 foot mark, and then the balloon disappeared. Um, and then they started, they figured, well, we'll launch rockets with instrumentations in them. And they were kind of neat, uh, kind of like a, an Estes kind of rocket, but on a much larger scale. Um, and so they would launch them up and they'd get to a certain point when the first rocket failed and then this, the other ones would come back and um, and the data would be wiped clean and it, this thing drains batteries it um, you know it's uh, there's a mountain there where I mean uh, it seems to be able to focus on certain people and, which is weird because um, there's this one time when they went to uh, uh, an old house and it had like a cistern there. They opened up the cistern and the guy got radiation burns on him. The guy, the scientist that was opening up the cistern got radiation burns of all things. 
Um, and later he developed like uh, bunions on one of his fingers and he had to have surgery to have the bunions removed, uh, which is very unusual actually. Um, and they weren't bunions, they were bone spurs, I'm sorry. But um, anyway, so they came to the determination that this energy was coming from there. Well, as they continued and toward the end of the, this, this first um, uh, season of the series, uh, they what they did is they brought in cows and they brought in llamas the cows first and then they brought in not llamas uh, two alpacas and um, they were watching on the camera um, well they found out one of the alpacas had been attacked and they watched on the camera and there was a wolf like a black wolf like creature that was in there and it was chewing on the the, uh, the alpaca and I'm telling you the screams that were coming from the alpaca still haunt me to this day um, I thought about having alpaca in our backyard here, but um, after hearing those screams, you know, it's if anything ever got into the backyard and I heard that, I think it would haunt me the rest of my life. So um, I'm going to nix the idea of the alpacas. Um, and by the way, if, if you're thinking about getting alpacas, because a lot of women use them for their wool, um, and they have a really interesting and fine wool to them. And um, a lot of women make afghans and quilts and stuff out of the wool. They spin the wool on a spinning wheel and stuff. It's kind of neat to watch. But um, if you do get alpacas, it is very wise. And I would recommend that you put a llama back there with them. Because the llama will fight a mountain lion to the death. A llama will fight a wolf to the death. Uh, and usually to the death of the wolf or the mountain lion. <laughs> Um, those animals usually run, end up running away and, and leaving and not coming back after they encounter the llama. Llamas are, uh, they might be kind of goofy looking, but they're, they're pretty dangerous creatures if you piss them off. <laughs> so if, um, you just don't piss off a llama, okay? Um, that, that would be an interesting bumper sticker. Don't piss off the llama. Um. Boy, would you get a lot of people asking questions about that? <laughs> anyway, um, I hope you guys don't mind my jovial nature every once in a while. It helps me to get through life, and it helps me to to um, to do this show a lot easier than um, sitting here stone faced. Um, anyway, uh, so anyway, we watch this, this series, and it, it's just confirming more and more my belief that these uh, entities are entering into our um, existence through portals. And it's my contention that, you know, a lot of, if these things are fallen angels, uh, like they think, I think they are, and I'm pretty sure they are, I'm pretty sure that when they enter into our realm and they, be, they take on a human form, that they take on the frailty of humanity too. So I do think it, at that time that they are there, you, you can harm them to some degree. I don't know if you can kill them or not. Um, but um, <clears throat> we know that, uh, what was it? The, there was a scripture story of uh, Jacob wrestling with one of these um, beings. And you know, a lot of people believe that it was a theophany of uh, Yeshua. Uh, that he wrestled with, and um, uh, theophany show up all over in, in the uh, in the Tanakh, the Old Testament. Um, the uh, captain of the Lord's Guard that showed up, 
uh, the, Lord, the captain of the Lord of Hosts that showed up uh, during the Battle of Jericho, uh, Joshua took off his shoes and because it was holy ground, and he bowed to him. So that was definitely a, a, some people will call it a Christopathy uh, instead of theophany. Um, but uh, we know that Yeshua is God, so he's the theophany is not a bad word to use. Um, but anyway, um, we see all kinds of things where where time and and matter is manipulated through all throughout Scripture. Um, we, several accounts in in the uh, Brit which is the New Testament. Um, one of them, Peter is in prison. I'm trying to hope. I'm hope I'm getting this right. Uh, Peter was in prison, and while he was sitting there, all of a sudden the chains just fell off of him. And an angel basically walked him through the wall, and he was outside the prison. And it really stymied the uh, the Sanhedrin. <laughs> um, so much so, I think it freaked out uh, Gamaliel. Gamaliel was um, a very, very important teacher. Matter of fact, he was Paul's teacher. Um, we find out in Scripture. He was uh, Paul says, "I was a student of the esteemed uh, Gamaliel," and that just shows you how important Paul was. In, in the scheme of things. He wasn't just some rabbi that held the coats of people while they stoned Stephen. He was very instrumental in uh, in the Sanhedrin at the time, um, which is why he became basically an outlaw when he left the Sanhedrin and started to follow Yeshua. But, um, yeah, in another account, um, uh, I think it was Peter again, um, that uh, he was in prison and with somebody else, and I can't remember who it was, but the um, the angel just uh, appeared inside the the prison or the cell, excuse me. Um, and then I think the doors opened on the cell. The guards didn't even know they were wide awake, but they didn't even know that the uh, that this was going on. Uh, Peter and the angel and this this other fellow just happened to walk right by them. Um, you got to understand that uh, back in that time that the penalty for falling asleep on guard duty was death. Okay, so nobody fell asleep or hardly anybody fell asleep during that, that period um, while they were on guard duty. Um, so uh, that was twice that I think it was Peter that got uh, rescued and uh, the same thing happened to Paul except that he stayed there and ministered to the uh, the people that were in the jail in the garden ended up getting saved, which is pretty cool. But um, so we we see time manipulated and space manipulated and everything, and and um, even in the future when you when you read Revelation, I think it's chapter ten, um, when the trumpets are being blown just before the after the sixth trumpet and before the seventh, it says that the angel makes a proclamation and time will be no longer. And when you look at that. Those words in the Greek, um, time will be no longer, means that something that has existed no longer exists. And the word is chronos for time, by the way. So chronos is no longer going to exist, but it's going to be replaced by something else. Um, to me, that means that... Uh, now, picture this in your mind. Those of you that are my age can do that. We picture things in our mind. We don't need a computer screen to picture it, but... Um, if you're younger, just kind of close your eyes and think think about this. You know, you're you're living, 
at that time, and it's and the world's in turmoil to begin with, right? I mean, the the forces of um, some world dictator are planning on uh, going to Jerusalem to destroy Jerusalem and to kill all the Jews, kind of like Hitler wanted to do. And um, all of a sudden, this angel appears and says, time will be no longer. There's no more time. Well, that means that what's happening is that the, the linear um, existence that we live in is going to be melded with the spiritual existence that this all the spirits live in um, demons fallen angels um, good angels and everything else and the people that are alive at that time are actually going to witness this they're going to be able to see the uh, the people that have taken the mark of the beast are going to be able to see the entities that they've been worshipping um, uh, man it's a time that I don't want to be around <laughs> Um, and, uh, and it's not going to continue forever because, you know, when, when we, we read about the millennium, we read about uh, years and about days and stuff like that, which means that things go back to normal after Yeshua returns. And, but I don't know how long the period is going to be while this um, the melding takes place um, between two different uh, universes or two different realities. But um, it's going to be an interesting time for sure. And... Um, and I always wondered, you know, because it says the whole world will see the, the Son of Man coming at the same time. Well, we live on a sphere. And if you want to believe we live on a plate, you just go ahead and believe that, okay? But just think about this. A sphere um, has to have three dimensions, and it has to have a fourth dimension called time. Because, you know, you have your length, your width, your depth. Um, there's a scripture that talks about um, Paul wanting to know the length, the width, the depth, the height, and the breadth, B-R-E-D-E-T-H, I think, of, uh, of God. That's four dimensions. Three of them are on a physical plane, and the fourth one is time. Because breath means the, to encompass, like when, um, like when I, I give my wife a hug, you know. I, I embrace her. I put my arms around her because she's three-dimensional. Okay, she's not fl she's not a flat plate. We don't live on flat land. Um, she's three-dimensional, and and I I embrace her, and my arms go all the way around her and interlock behind her. Okay, um, same thing with the world. It's it's a round sphere, um, and it would be real drag if people were two-dimensional like uh, the. Flat earthers want to believe that the earth is. But anyway, um, so how is how is everybody going to be able to see the, um, the coming of the Son of Man unless reality changes as we know it? Now, if we do go to a different, if it is melded with a fifth dimension, let's say, um, all things are off the table because it's not going to be... The best way to describe it would be um, the book Flatland, and in that, uh, when Chuck Missler talks about this, um, he says that if you had a flat plane, you know, a piece of paper, right, a flat piece of paper, and then you approached it with a finger in a, in a two-dimensional world, all the person that lived in that world would see was a circle approaching 
touching the paper, becoming a bigger circle, and just being a circle, okay? And that's why the flat earthers are wrong when they say the, you know, that the Bible says that uh, God says that he sits above the circle of the earth. If you look at the verbiage of it and you look at the the uh, the noun that that uh, defines the verb and the verb that defines the the noun it's it's clearly speaking of three dimensions and um, a circumference and, uh, and not a circumference going around a circle but a circumference going around a globe okay much like Lagellan circumnavigated that's what it means basically it's circumnavigate and um, if you tried to circumnavigate on a flat Earth you'd have to go so many miles make a left turn go so many more miles make another left turn you know um, instead of just sailing from east to west and and in fact um, God says that he will move remove our sins as far as east is from west you can't do that on a flat earth on a round earth you can do that because if you head east you just keep heading east forever okay um, it doesn't work north to south, however, because if you go to the North Pole and you keep going, then you're going south, okay? So you're traveling north and you go south. But if you go from east to west and you travel in one direction, you will always travel east. If you travel west, you will always travel west, okay? And it's a kind of an neat scripture because he's, he's saying that he's going to remove the sins so far away that they'll never be able to touch one another again <laughs> you will never be able to touch your sins again they're going to be removed away so so in such a um complete manner that they will ne never exist again um and i love that phrase the bible is full of geometric um linear um time references um outside of linear time references and everything else all you gotta do is look for it you know but in order to look for it, you got to crack the pages open well you know what if you don't like cracking the pages open um get an online program because there are no pages i i often go to um i go to bible gateway when i want to copy something because it's easier but uh, Blue Letter Bible is a fantastic resource for, for scripture study online because you can study um, just one scripture or you can click on uh, the uh, the reference there and you can uh, study all the, if it's in the, in the Tanakh, you can study all the, the uh, Hebrew words or if you go to the British, you can study all the Greek words. And sometimes you find that there's a, a meaning that's just a little off. You know, uh, for instance, the circle of the earth thing, you know, it's the way it's written in the King James and well, in most Bibles, um, it, it doesn't denote what God is truly trying to say. Okay. Another scripture, um, I am that I am when he's telling Moses to go to the children of Israel and say, I am sent you. Well, if you looked at I am that I am, it's Iyah Asha'iyah. Or somebody would, some people would pronounce it Haya Asha'iya, Haya, and um, what it means is that it's not just I am that I am because that's that just means right now, okay? But it, it's it's written in such a way where it means I am what I was, I am what I will be, I was what I will be, I will be what I once was. You know, it's it denotes an eternal eternal aspect of God. Yahweh and um, 
you don't get that when you read just the scripture. It's like, okay, so, you know, I am. But when he, Moses, and, and the rest of the scripture says that, um, oh, so how it says the word Lord, and it's, it translates out to mean Yahweh. Um, he was basically telling the, the to Moses that when you go to the Israelites and you say, uh, has sent me and his name is Yahweh, they knew right away that Moses was on the level. I mean, there's even a, a movie that depicts that, um, where Moses does that. And um, right away they go, where did you get that name? How do you know that name? You know, and he says, well, I was just talking with a guy on the mountain for the last 40 days. Um, it's, it's pretty well clear that that's where I got it. Well, anyway, um, not the last 40 days, but for 40 days. Um, so uh, where am I going with this is that um, there, there are things that exist in Scripture that you only find out when you pick up Scripture and start reading and you pray for insight. You pray for wisdom and knowledge. You pray that the Holy Spirit um, decodes it for you. Um, I don't know if you ever did this. Um, some of you younger people probably never did because you don't know what a broomstick is. But um, And I'm not trying to make fun of you younger folks, okay? But really, you know, nowadays you use shop vacs and vacuums and stuff like that. You've never used a broom in your life, probably, some of you. And that's not your fault. It's just that technology is advanced and vacuums are easier for you to use. Um, but when we were a kid, when we were learning about codes, we would take a, a long strip of paper, thin strip, but like this, and you wind it around in a spiral fashion, much like you would put tape on a baseball bat. Uh, and if you're a young person, a baseball bat is something that you use in baseball and you use it to hit the ball and it's part of the game. I know that there's a lot of people out there that, young people that really don't know what baseball is. Believe it or not, it's true. Um, but um, so you wrap it around and then when you get it done, you hold it firm or you tape it. And then you write a letter all the way across on one letter on each strip of that. And you take afterwards, after you've written your message, no matter how long it's going to be, you unwind it and you've got a code. And the only way that you're going to be able to read that code is to wrap it wrap back around a broomstick that's a similar diameter um, in the same fashion that you did. And then you got your message again. So that's a simple way of writing a code. Okay. Um, However, without the broomstick, you don't know what that code says. And that's a simple way of explaining what the Holy Spirit does. The Bible is written in code. Yes, you can read it, and just like I could read that piece of paper. And I could make out that that piece of paper has English letters on it, or Hebrew, or whatever language you speak. Um, but they're, they're, they don't make much sense to me. Yes, they're nice. They're, I might be a calligrapher and write them real nice. They're beautiful letters. Um, but I don't understand it. And the same way with Scripture is if you don't have the code breaker, which is the Holy Spirit, or the code revealer, then you're not able to understand to the true intent of what Yahweh is trying to say in Scripture. So you have to have the Holy Spirit in order to be able to understand it. And... Um, that's that's that you have to <laughs> you're not going to understand 
it, it'll look like a book of stories to you. It might look like a book where um, you have a mean God that all of a sudden decided to turn nice and save mankind. Well, when you when you get into the meat and potatoes of the Tanakh, you realize that everything that Yahweh did, he did for a reason. And while it might appear to be mean to you, like, you know, going into a city and slaying every man, woman, and child, an animal in there, well... He knew that those people were, were had Nephilim blood in them and uh, that uh, they could possibly corrupt the line of Mashiach that was coming um, to save the world from their sins. So, um, and Israel never was very good at complying with the wishes of Yahweh as they entered the land. They were told not to mingle with the people. They mingled with the people. They were told not to take on the gods of the people. They took on the gods of the people. You know, it was like, Everything that God told it was like God telling Adam and Eve, "Don't eat the app, don't eat the fruit of the tree, because you'll, you'll die." And um, what do they do? They 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 get beguiled by a a bright shining creature in the tree that tells them to go ahead and eat it because they'll be gods. And that's the lie that we've lived with for what five thousand years now. That. Um, if we disobey God, we become like gods. And that's why you can have a nut like Shirley MacLaine on the beach flapping her arms saying, I am God, I am God, I am God. Yeah, well, when you stand before the real one, Shirley, um, you're going to be put to shame. And that's all there is I'm going to say about that. Uh, you're not going to believe me ever, Shirley, but if you ever watch this, but um, you... Uh, you're going to find out the hard way, I got a feeling. And uh, so are a lot of other people, unfortunately. But um, getting back to Skinwalker Ranch, um, they started to drill, and then they realized that underneath, when, well, they, first of all, they went through the, a sonogram, um, a sonograph machine, and, and uh, penetrated with ground-penetrating pe radar, and, um, and found that there were structures underneath. Now, whether they were caves or what, they didn't know, but... Um, every time they tried to drill, something weird would happen. Um, every, uh, I mean, poles would start shaking, you know, that were 100 feet away. Um, like a mini earthquake or something like that would happen. And um, one guy, he, um, a while back while he was digging on the ranch, I guess he was digging post holes or something, all of a sudden his, he passed out and they took him and found out that part of his cranium the uh, the skin on his cranium oh look at that i made that go down had uh, separated from uh from the cranium itself um and, and thus uh cavity formed and he he almost died from that well during a series he started to get the same headache so they got him the heck out of there in time which was good um but uh like i said the other guy got radiation burns uh one of the cows, um, oh, this was neat. Well, let me, let me back up a little bit. Uh, this goes into the whole portals thing. So they, they kind of figured out where the where the signals, they did triangulation and figured out where the signals are coming from. And like I said, it was about 5,500 feet from where they were standing on the ground there. And um, so they launched a balloon and the balloon disappeared and so did the instrumentation. They never found it. And they should have been able to find it because there was no wind that day, but it disappeared. Anyway, um, 
So they launched rockets, and the first rocket crashed, destroying the equipment. The second one, um, very little, if any, data was taken because the batteries were zapped in it, and um, and, and basically the electronics was zapped in it too. Um, so, but the interesting thing about it is when they launched the rockets, uh, a UFO was actually seen. A bright light, a bright light came out not too far away from where the rocket went up. Um, and they were thinking maybe now they're thinking that um and when the series continues we'll see but they're thinking that maybe these um entities were trying to communicate with them um well anyway um i mentioned the llamas and that the llama one of the or excuse me it wasn't a llama it was an alpaca it was attacked and um they got to it in time and um they chased the animal off, which was really brave because if it was a demonic animal, it could have come after them too, right? Um, so they uh, they realized one day that all the cows were on the far end of the property, about as far as you could go without leaving the property. And then they looked at the cameras and noticed that there was another uh, cow that was laying there. And uh, when they went over there, the cow was actually radioactive. Uh, they said they got more radiation from that cow than you would get from um, x-rays for like having x-rays for 50 years or something like that i can't remember the exact amount of time um, a lot of gamma rays coming off of the cow and um, they moved the cow to another section of the property and usually when when an animal like that dies and you move them off predators will eat it you know but nothing has ever touched this thing it's desiccated and um it's drying come out like like mummified actually um no predator will touch this thing which is interesting because animals know animals have a sixth sense and they know when something demonic has messed with something they can sense demonic things they can uh we have a, a little dog named buddy he's a little terrier mix and uh he knows if something demonic is around he he knows man and he goes after it <laughs> but he's not too smart um when it comes to that but um he he's a he's a good ghostbuster so to speak um okay okay never mind um i thought i was getting an important message so um anyway so the but when they looked at the uh, the video footage of the cow because um, they had video cameras all over the place the cow was struggling to get up but when they looked up at the sky there was a there was a disc-shaped ufo above the tree where the cow was so you know there again we have uh something that entered um in through a portal and um had they not looked maybe the cow would have been mutilated who knows but um i think they stopped that in time but the cow was dead anyway the the, the, the veterinarian said that the cow died of um pneumonia brought on by stress and um, for that to happen just in a matter of minutes is is phenomenal to get pneumonia in a matter of minutes because of stress um is something I've never heard of before and I've been in the medical field for well over 30 years um, so uh, anyway the show concluded with the, with the idea that maybe uh, these entities are trying to communicate with them and if <laughs> well I just hope they don't go down that road and if they do I hope they realize that these entities are malevolent they're not benevolent and um, 
you know, I mean, for goodness sakes, they mutilate cows. Um, the energy that they've been zapping these people with is, you know, giving them uh, radiation burns and sent the one guy to the hospital and the whole nine yards. So these are not actions of uh, beings that are friendly, so to speak. And um, anyway, so if it comes back on, I think it, I think we found it on YouTube of all places, but it might be a series on another uh, one of the off channels. Um, you know, we uh, we got rid of our satellites, so we don't get a lot of things that you guys might get. But uh, we do have Amazon Prime. We still utilize Amazon Prime, I should say. And we find some very interesting stuff on there. And it might have been on Amazon Prime, to come to think of it. But anyway, um, again, look for it, uh, Skinwalker Ranch. And, and if just read the description. If it says some scientists go out there to investigate, then you've probably got the right series. Um, anyway, um, it's, uh, so we talked about them coming in through portals and things that we talked about, uh, uh, strange behaviors in, in both the Old and New Testaments of the Bible. Um, I'm not too versed in other, um, what people might term holy books. I might, my idea is the only holy book is scripture is the Bible. Um. But then I'm a little biased, I guess. Um, but um, anyway, uh, I forgot where I was going to go with this. I think it's um, it's interesting to consider a lot of possibilities when it comes to this phenomena. It really is. Um, on my desktop at work, I have a picture of... Um, the Bekaa Valley in Lebanon, and in the background is, a, I don't know, it doesn't have the whole mountain range, but, um, excuse me, the mountains where the angels came down, uh, Mount Hermon. And Mount Hermon's located in a very precarious place because um, part of it is near the Golan Heights and the Israelis control it, part of it's in Syria and part of it's in Lebanon. Um, so it means the Syrians control part of it, and if it's in Lebanon, the Iranians control part of it. I'm sorry I ate something earlier that's not really, it's uh, it's coming back to remind me that I ate it. <laughs> so, um, anyway, uh, oh yeah, the, the, the uh, Mount, Mount Hermon, and... Um, and I um, I was talking to my boss. She came by. Oh, that's a pretty mountain. What mountain is? And I forgot the name of it. Then I went later on. I told her it's Mount Hermon. It's where the angels came down, hoping to initiate a conversation. But that never happened. Um, some people uh, bite on stuff like that. Other people just like, okay, <laughs> walk away. Um, but uh, I think we're we're heading into a time where. And, and I posed this scenario. I think I posed it. Um, I made a couple of videos that I'm not going to upload because I made them very late at night. And sometimes when I'm very tired, I say stuff that um, I might not necessarily want to get out. Um, so I, um, if I didn't, I, um, I, I'm sorry I didn't. But uh, at the same time, it. You know, if, if I was talking a lot about work, I don't want to get fired before I retire, so to speak, kind of thing. But um, anyway, um, 
we're, we're heading towards some, some very interesting times, um, especially now that we're coming to the realization that Donald Trump uh, is not going to come save us like uh, QAnon had said. Um, I I wonder about QAnon. I really do. I think that it might have been a CIA psyop operation. Now, now, the further down the road that we move, because you know we were told, yeah, Donald Trump's coming back in March and he's going to take the White House back, and you know all these arrests are going to happen and everything. Well, it's the middle of March and nothing's happened. And in the meantime, Biden's sending out checks to make people happy and 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 everything else. But um, I don't know if uh, if he is allowed to remain in office or if he dies and Harris takes over, then um, Lord help us. Um, and I mean that he's the only source of help that we're gonna we're only that we can ask from help from and and possibly get it. Um, but um, times look bleak. They really do. They uh, and uh, it's leading to. A, I don't know. I'm just going to come around and say it. it's kind of leading to a depression um, in many people because you know if if you're my age and you grew up in this uh, this country, you grew up in a basically a free America, especially like in the '60s and '70s. Um, in the '80s, it started to come, you know, become more regimented, and in the '90s, even more. And after t- uh, 2011, or excuse me, um, uh, September 11, 2001, it became basically a police state. And um, it's, so it's, you know, it's been gradually getting worse. But those of us that grew up under freedom and liberty, as far as we we understand freedom and liberty, now our parents grew up under more freedom and liberty. Um, my grandparent was um, was young. You didn't need a driver's license to drive a car. <laughs> you know, um, income taxes were a new thing, and many times they were voluntary when my grandfather was a young man. Um, but now, you know, the, the screws keep getting tightened more and more, you know. That screwdriver is out, and it keeps tightening that band, that hose band, uh, like you would put on a radiator hose, tighter and tighter and tighter. And um, so it's probably, I would say probably within the next year or two, we're going to make a, the New World Order is going to make a major play to take us over. And um, my worry is that you guys aren't ready. And even me, I don't know if I'm ready. Um, And like I said, there's a lot of depression and anxiety going on right now in our society because um, think of how, you know, it's kind of an interesting parallel, but think of how um, how much alike we are to the Jews of the first century A.D., who were expecting a, a Messiah to save them, uh, a, a Messiah ben David instead of Messiah ben Joseph. Um, and they were expecting somebody that would come and conquer Rome and free free them from the... the um, the burden of Rome, the the strong hand of Rome, and only to find out that, uh, well, they didn't believe in Yeshua, but only to find out that it wasn't going to happen, and so they revolted. And when they revolted, the heavy hand of the Romans came down and um, burned and sacked Jerusalem in 70 A.D. And then in 135, again uh, during the Bar Kokhba rebellion. 
uh, the Jews tried to do it again, and then they were dispersed. Uh, every Jew was was ordered to leave Judea and Israel, and and to be part of the diaspora. And um, you know, so is that going to happen to us? You know, but the problem is that we lived in a free country, the freest country in the world. Um, people came here to get away from all the garbage that went on around the world. Where do we go? <laughs> nowhere there's nowhere to go there really isn't i mean unless you want to you know go off the grid somewhere up in canada up in the uh, canadian rockies or something and where nobody else can get to and um just live off the land and everything uh, i don't think that's going to be too possible in the united states i think uh, with all these uh satellites that elon musk is sending up i think they're going to serve a dual purpose I mean, it's great that he's going to be offering Internet to the entire world, but at the same time, I think it's going to be a, a spy network, too. So, um, And everybody that's getting injected with this COVID-19 injection is going to end up probably, um, I don't know, I just got a feeling, a sneaking feeling that there's something up with that vaccine, especially the mRNA vaccines. Um there's something weird. Something is not quite right. And that's why I will never take it. Um, I've made it plain at work. I'm not taking it. I've told my doctor who has given up trying to get me to take it. But, uh, you know, maybe if he someday suffers the adverse effects of it, he'll realize that, you know, I was right and he was wrong. I mean, I hope that nothing ever happens to the guy. I really like the guy. He's a great doctor. But um, doctors are only as good as the information that they're presented with, you know. Um, I, I had to get a kick out of one time. Um, there's something out there called the A1C test, and it's a test to see that if you're prone to get uh, diabetes. And um, basically the premise of this is that your, um, your blood accumulates on its hemoglobin, uh, it accumulates sugar. And uh, that, that sugar stays on that hemoglobin until that, that uh, blood cell dies. And, um, and, it's, and it takes some of the, he, uh, the, um, the glucose, the sugar, and it moves it to the cells. So that's you know, one of its functions. But um, a certain percentage of it stays on the cell until the cell is killed by the, um, by the spleen, at which time a new cell is made. And uh, the mistake that science makes is that they say that a cell uh, lasts for roughly 90 days from its birth till the time it's destroyed. Well, that's a fallacy because most cells in healthy people, at least, live 120 days. So they're calculating for a cell living 90 days, the sugar that's on the hemoglobin in your cell, whereas the cell actually lives for 120 days. So during 120 days, it's going to accumulate a lot more sugar, but they're calculating for 90 days, which gives you a high A1C count. Um, in reality, if you were to figure for the cell lasting 120 days, most of us would have a lower high A1C account, and we'd be written off as not pre-diabetic, right? Um, now, a lot of doctors don't know that, or they refuse to believe it. Uh, but we, um, my wife and I went to the doctor one day and uh, saw an oncologist, and he was... <laughs> He was an old German guy. He had um, the German accent, you know, the German-American accent. And and I 
I just asked him because he was being straightforward with us about uh, chemotherapy. He didn't think it worked well, very well, and that it was more dangerous than than not doing anything. You know, and forget about radiation. Man, he was totally set against using radiation. Um, and he thought my wife was very, very smart for deciding not to use either of those. And when I had my cancer, I, de I declined it too. Um, but anyway, uh, so I, when we were talking, I says, I said, Doctor, what do you think about the A1C? <laughs> and you know what I like about foreigners? They don't mix words. And he looked right at me and he says, That's, that test is bullshit. Pardon my friend for using that on this, this radio program. But that's what he said. And, um, and you know, he, he says, you know, he says, you know who formulated that test, who made that test up? The drug companies. The same drug companies that want to sell you drugs to keep your A1C down. He said, they're the ones that that invented that test and, and sold it to the government that that test was was needed and important. And I never knew that, but I got an education that day, and I love getting an education when it comes to stuff like that. Um, and I see that doctor as, as a man of integrity, uh, a man who researches things like most doctors don't. Most doctors are told what to believe, and they believe it because that's what they're told. And if they don't believe it, many times uh, they're they're brought into the attention of the uh, uh, the licensing board, whatever state that they work in, and um, basically they're told, hey, you know, you got to believe what we believe, or else, you know, we're not going to license you. Um, I got into trouble one day because I'm an anti-vaxer. And I wrote about it online, and somebody didn't like it, and they complained. Well, I made the mistake of putting where my workplace was, um, and they got a hold of my, and and I don't know how many levels this went up, but in my boss's 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 boss. I mean, this this person was really high. It might have even even been the governor, because um, I work for the state. But um, so I heard, you know, from my co-workers hey Larry wants to talk with you and I said okay well where's Larry well he's not in today he's going to come in tomorrow to talk with you and people were looking at me like well it was nice knowing you you know it was it was really nice getting to know you and and farewell and have have a good life because when Larry comes in on Saturdays it's usually not a good thing so Larry came in on Saturday and I you know I went in there and I'm like okay well you know I'm still fairly in good health, and I'll just go out and get another job somewhere else and retire somewhere else. Anyway, um, he told me to sit down, and I did. And he said, look, he says, you're not in trouble, okay? Don't get it out of your head. You're not in trouble. And I went, well, that's a sigh of relief. Thank you, but why are you here on Saturday to talk to me? <laughs> he says, well, you had written something on the Internet rebuking somebody about the vaccine, and they didn't like it, and they found out that you work for the state. Both I'd used a pseudonym um, for my Facebook, and I always use pseudonyms for my Facebook and whichever account I had. And uh, he said, he says, I gotta admit, he says you were kind of crafty because um, it took them a long time to figure out who you were. <laughs> and I, I took that as a compliment. I'm like, wow, that's kind of cool getting that from uh, you know my. A nurse manager um, 
he says, but they, they did find out who you were. And, and he says, all they're asking is that you, you remove the post and that you remove from your Facebook page that you work for the state of Oregon. And I said, that's all? And he said, yeah. And he says, okay, I'll go do that right now. <laughs> you know, I don't care. My opinion is my opinion, but I'm not going to let it get me fired and, you know, put my pension in, in, um, in peril, especially about something that small. Okay, because those people that are anti-vaxxers already know the truth, and people that are against anti-vaxxers have their own truth. And, um, you know, it's, it's, there's clearly a delineating line where there's, uh, you know, one side versus the other. So I'm not um, really violating any, any of my morals or values by doing that. And so I went in, and then after I removed my name and everything, or my, my job title and stuff, I, I was free to write whatever I wanted to on there, which they actually did me a favor. So, um, But um, there was one other story I wanted to tell you. Um, I was speaking about uh, foreigners being bold. And um, when I lived down in California and I was married to my first wife, we... One uh, October, we went up to um, a place called Apple Hill, and it's up by Placerville. And they have a festival up there. We missed the festival, but they still continue it for, I think it's the whole month of October. And um, you can go up there, and, you know, the apple pie is out of this world up there. You know, there's orchards up there like crazy, and um, you can get any kind of apple pie you want from wherever it comes from or whatever. You know, it's, it's just amazing. And so um, we went up there, and um, before we got to Apple Hill, we stopped at a little, um, it was on the side of the road, and it was a group of stores, but they also had some, uh, like, people that had set up tents, um, like tent shops, you know? And so we went into this one tent shop. It looked like it was pretty interesting. It had uh, stuff from from Europe and stuff like that. My wife and I, you know, we wanted to see what they had in there, and we walked in, and um, the guy had a neat accent, you know. And I said, well, I said I like to try to guess where people are from by their accents. I said, so I think you're either probably from Germany or Belgium or something like that. And he goes, well, you've surrounded it. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He says, I'm from France. And my guard went up because me and the French do not get along, but this changed things. Um, so I was talking to him, and I said, you know, what made you come here, you know? And he, so he started to tell me, and he was ignoring all the other customers, and I'm like, you know, you've got other people here. He goes, no, no, it's okay, you know, they can shop and look around. And he says, I came to the United States to prove what all my friends were telling me, to prove that Americans were stupid. And he says, and I came to this country, and after living here for a while, I came to find out that my friends were all wrong and that the French were stupid. And I went, oh boy, you and I are going to be really good friends. Um, so anyway, um, we were talking, and um, we got on the subject of socialized medicine, um, which the French are really big into. Uh, they brag about socialized medicine, but it's it's garbage. Um, especially the French model. My goodness, there's much better models. But they're all they all stink, but 
there's models around the world that are much better than the French model. Um, and for various reasons we won't go into. Um, but you can find videos basically on YouTube that talk about all of them and, and both the good and the bad. Okay, because I used to, when I was in teaching pharmacy school, I used to have to present this to uh, my students, and we watched. Um, don't watch the one from Michael Moore; that's garbage. But uh, there's there's ones from other people that have gone to Japan and Korea and and all around the world, looking at the pluses and minuses of their of socialized medicine. And there's no one perfect. I guess the Swiss have the best, but there's no one perfect model. Okay. Well, anyway, so he was talking about. It. He says, he says, he says, I hate socialized medicine. He says, I hate socialists. And I go, why is that? And he says, well, here's the deal. And this is about the time that Obama was trying to push Obamacare. Okay, so this was this came in really handy at this time for information purposes. And he said, my mother was 72 years old, and she needed a surgery to stay alive. He says, says, while while she she waited for the surgery, she turned 73. And when she went in to get the surgery, they said, no, you missed it by a year. 72 is the cutoff. We are not going to do the surgery, he says, which ultimately led to her death. And he says, what I like about the American system is is that, you know, they don't do that. He says, I'm a little afraid about what Obama's doing because it seems that he's going to be putting a death rider into the into Obamacare. He says, but um, he says, the French system killed my mother. He says, and that's why I hate socialism. He says, and you know what? When the time comes, he says, and it will come. He says, I will be the first one out on the street. He says, I'm an I'm American citizen now. He says, but he said, but... I will be the first one out of the street ahead of all the Americans with my guns defending our rights. And I went, oh my God. Well, anyway, I was so proud of the guy and and I got this warm feeling inside like you get when you find somebody that you really have a camaraderie with, somebody that loves your country almost more than you do. And um, so I noticed that a lot of the people that were shopping there were starting to walk out, and I, I kind of pointed that out to him, and he went into a tirade. And if, if I liked the guy before, I loved him after this. And he, said, he says, you know what? He says, most of you are liberals, and you don't like what I've just said. He says, put down whatever you're looking at and get the hell out of my store. He says, I don't want you in my store. I don't want your money. It's blood money. It's dirty money. Get out of here. And people put stuff down, and they left like there was no tomorrow. He said, I would rather lose business than sell my merchandise to people like that. And I went, wow, man. You know, and I never got to go back up there and see him again. And it just breaks my heart. I don't know if he's alive. He was older than me a little bit, you know. And So I don't know if he's still alive, if he's still, you know, a vendor up there or whatever. But uh, if you go up to Apple Hill, he's on one of the side roads that uh, that are on, off of Highway 50, just before you get to Apple Hill. It might even be in Apple Hill, but on the side road. And... Um, and if you see a, a little thing of shops and then some tents there, just go in there and see if he's still there. Because if he's still there, um, he's more of an American than, I would say, more of an American than me. And I love this country with all my heart. 
But um, this guy loved it with more than his heart. And um, God, it just makes me almost cry thinking about how wonderful this man was and how much he loved this country and how much he was able he was willing to defend it to protect the liberty that we have here and he really changed my mind about the french people they're not all bad you know just like every other people there's not there's a there's a remnant of good people in every people okay i was going to say something but i'm not going to say it <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say except for, um, but forget it. Um, it's not worth saying. It's not worth, um, like mom said, if there's, if you're not going to say anything nice, don't say anything at all. And I find it very hard to obey sometimes. But um, anyway, with this, uh, with this alien thing and with the, um, uh, with the portals it's it's i think in the future in the very near future you're going to start seeing more portals or wormholes opening up all over the place um and i found that and i and i've talked with a, of all things a lot of new agers that concur with this that when i look at something straight on it's almost like i'm blind to the spiritual world but something off to the side is is it's almost like the peripheral can see the spiritual world okay um i've talked with people that have seen shadow people but they only see it out of the corner of their eye um this is a true story i lived in sacramento um for many years Actually, Carmichael. Sacramento was down the corner and across the street. Um, and I had a window that faced east and a little south. And in that direction was um, Mather Air Force Base. And Mather used to be a... Um, I'm trying to get this right. I think it used to be a SAC base, Strategic Air Command. And I think uh, McClellan used to be a MAC base, um, Material Airlift Command. And um, well, anyway, I faced um, Mather Air Force Base. And that's where they used to have the B-52s and everything else. And um, every once in a while, out of the corner of my eye, I'd see like a, bl a black figure rise up from down in that area and go up into the sky and go away. And I said to myself, that's, that's odd. That is really odd that I, if I look over that way straight on, I see nothing, but I see it out of the corner of my eye. Now, I, I have no problem with my retinas, okay? My retinas are intact, so I'm not seeing um, what people would see if they were losing their retinas or, or the retinas were separating from their, their eye. But um, uh, another case in point, I do believe that there are some people that are able to look straight on and see the spiritual world, and that's a gift. Um, we went down to Roswell back in 2000, I think it was seven, and I brought a bunch of people with me. Um, I ended up separating from them because they they were into the NAR and they thought that they were prophets and they tried to take over our church. Um, and I wanted nothing to do with that. But anyway, before that happened, we all went down to Roswell that July 4th. 
it was either 2006 or seven. It's it's on the Delusion Resistance web page on the um, on the the news thing or something. I have to look for it. But um, so there was a, a gal named Glory, and then there was a guy named um, Kent or Kurt. I think it was Kent. And um, a few other people. Well, Glory had a couple of daughters. Um, and what they did is they drove down there. Well, they asked me to take one of the daughters with me on the plane flight down there. And I think I took Ra- Her name was Rachel. She went with me. And being her first time on an airplane, and it was hilarious because when the plane took off, she just like, wahoo, you know, <laughs> like she was on a, a ride at the carnival, you know. And uh, I'll never forget that as long as I live. Well, we landed, and then we you know, got. I met Joe, Joe Jordan, and we got the car, and then drove down to Roswell. Um, I think we that might have been, or it was just me and her. We drove down to Roswell. It was like a three-hour drive from Albuquerque, and um, so we got down there. Not long after that is when they pulled up, uh, Glory and Kirk, and. Um, there was another lady, I can't remember her name, might have been Robin, and um, they had they got there late because they had trouble with their car. It was overheating, and if you, it was an old Volkswagen bus, and if, you know, those things never do good in anything, and um, especially in hot weather. Well, anyway, they... Um, they got it into town, and they somebody was working on it while they were down there. Um, now these people um, claim to be prophets, and uh, you know, a, a prophet. I've learned from my own walk with the Lord is uh, usually the Lord will warn you not to go to places, or will tell you, "Hey, you're not so as high and mighty as you think you are. Don't do this." Okay. <laughs> Well, um, they found out that there was this woman that was an abductee, had been an abductee for many years and was very, very much into the uh, New Age movement. And so these three, uh, three or four people from, um, I think Eddie was there too, my friend Eddie, yeah. Um, they went to this woman's house and they were going to pray for her and basically straighten her out. And uh, they ended up being chased out of her house by her being possessed by, severely possessed by one or more demons that were basically telling them that you're nothing, get out of here. And uh, so they left with their tail between their legs and came back uh, early the next morning. And um, Anyway, um, I'm telling you that story to tell you this. Uh, the younger daughter, who I can't remember her name right now. That's weird. I hung out with them a lot. I just can't remember her name. Rachel was the older one. You know, I, I can't remember. Anyway, so the plan was that, um, and this is, this was post 9-11, but not as tight as things are right now. And uh, so... Rachel decided that she wanted to go back in the van with with everybody else, which left me with the younger girl. Okay, I think she's about 15 or something, but I was her guardian for the time. And so I said to her one one night, I said, you know what's really cool? I said, do you like to look at stars? And she said, yeah. And I said, well, I tell you what, why don't we just drive 10 minutes outside of Roswell 
I said, and you can look up at the sky and you can see the Milky Way. You can see everything out there. It's amazing. And it really is. It's You get out of Roswell and, and you see the entire universe. So we, we drove out there. You know, we stopped and got a milkshake, I think, and um, went out there. And um, so we're looking at the stars and all of a sudden she, she starts looking very scared. And I said what's the matter and she says well this really looking really weird looking troll-like creature just walked behind you and kind of smiled at me and I go you got to be kidding me she goes no I really saw it you know and I found out later she had this gift well I kind of realized it then and I said well you know if being that small it's not going to hurt me plus I'm a believer in Yeshua so you know I'll just rebuke the stupid thing and she says, no, that's not the only thing I saw. There was a big hooded thing that looked like the Grim Reaper that was walking behind you, too. And she started to cry. And I'm like, well, I got to get this little girl out of here because she's freaking out. So, you know, I, I says, let's get in the car and leave right now. So we got in the car and we drove back into Roswell. I mean, it was maybe 10 minutes before we got back into town. And, and she was crying. And I says, you know, I says, what you experienced I said is phenomenal first of all and I said I think that the Lord has given you insight to be able to see into the spiritual world and I said that's a gift and you should not be afraid of that that is a gift that Yahweh has given you and you're going to be using that for his glory someday you know believe me this is what's going to happen and we prayed you know and and stuff like that and then um, we went we were staying with uh, I think we were staying with Michael and Jackie Slack um, and uh, which didn't help because they had some kind of bugaboos in their house and um, that night that girl didn't sleep because she kept seeing apparitions in the house and everything and so she was pretty tired when we got on the airplane and went back to Sacramento but anyway um, but there are people that are able to see the things that are going on in the background and to experience those things. And um, I can't say that I envy him because those are things that I really don't want to see. But take that now and think about what I said about Revelation chapter 10 when this reality is melded with that reality. And basically everybody's going to see all these things that this little girl saw. People are going to be freaked out. They really are. Now, there's going to be some freaks out there that are going to be, oh, well, look at that. That's cool. You know, well, that's, that's you know. But most people are, because that's going to be one of the signs of the coming of the Son of Man, is that reality is going to change. And that reality is going to allow the whole world to see the return the coming return of Yeshua and it's going to scare a lot of people that so much as they'll probably um, leave bricks in their pants if you know what I mean and uh, because they know they have the mark of the beast and they know that uh, there's nothing that is going to help them when he does return um, I'm, I'm sure that they're going to have that knowledge but um, if not be taught that it'll be imparted into him from the Lord I'm coming back and boy are you in trouble um, but um, I think it's it's important that um, if you have that gift use it for everything that it's worth um, because you can see those things and you can rebuke them right there 
me, I tend to feel them. I, um, I, I get that chill that goes up and down my spine, like the first time that I, I, I don't know if I ever had an abduction encounter. I can't remember it, but um, I do remember seeing something. And I've, you know, I've felt entities in the room before when I was younger, and and um, and stuff like that. So I know that feeling that you feel. Um, that, like I said, the chill that goes up and down your spine, and you know that there's something there. Um, and that's when you start the the praying and the, the praising the Lord, and because they can't stand that. Oh, they cannot stand. That. I was in an apartment one day when I lived in in Carmichael, and I went into the spare bedroom. This is before I married my first wife, and um, the spare bedroom was basically nobody lived there. Okay, at that time, and I went toward the closet, and I felt that feeling. And I just started laughing, and I started singing praise songs, you know, bless the name of Yeshua, um, uh, all songs about Yeshua and the blood of Yeshua and stuff like that. And that thing did not like that, and it left really quick. And uh, that was a real interesting part of life. Because um, I remember one night, um, I was laying there, and uh, I was going to a church where we really were spiritually active. We were... You know, we weren't we didn't we weren't the kind that would you know pick a fight with the devil, but we were definitely fighting the the devil in that we were ministering to people and stuff like that. And um, I hadn't had an experience for a long time, and um, I was laying there, and then all of a sudden I couldn't move, I couldn't talk. You know, the classic what they call sleep paralysis. Um, but it's really a state that's that's placed upon you by the entities that are in the room or around. And um, so I started praying in my mind. I started praying, you know, to rebuke the thing, but also that the Lord would give me utterance so I could rebuke it with my mouth. And pretty soon I was able to start forming words. And then I said, I said, get out of here in the name of Yeshua, you know, or Jesus, I said back then. And... Um, and it took quite a while, um, and then it left, but it didn't leave totally. And then probably about a half hour later, it started all over again, and um, the battle started again. You know, the paralysis, the whole nine yards, and and I says, I'm not giving up. You may be here to try to intimidate me, but I'm not giving up. And every time you try this, I'm going to do this again. And so. I, I fought it off a second time, and there may have been a third time, I think. It's been a long time now. <clears throat> but um, so I um, I finally, it, it went away. And, and the funniest thing, <laughs> you know, these, these things try to play us for fools. They try to, they think we're stupid. They think that, you know, um, okay, well, he fought us three times. Let's just leave him a little video or an audio um, to let them know that maybe we were, really were aliens, you know. And um, and so I'm trying to go to sleep, and I hear this cheesy 1950s UFO sound, the beeping, you know. Um, started real loud, and it, it, it was like it was moving away real slow and stuff like that. And I just started laughing, and I said, you got to be kidding me. You have nothing better than a cheesy 1950s beep from a UFO movie? I said, get out of here, you know. And uh, I don't think I've had a visitation since. Well, anyway, 
Um, I went to church the next day because that was a Saturday. And um, I, told, I, I walked in and I must have looked pretty tired. And the pastor says, man, you look like a wreck. Are you okay? And I says, well, I was doing some battle last night. I says, I had to rebuke something three times. And he goes, you too? And I says, oh, come on, really? And he goes, yeah. He says, I was up half the night, you know, in, in doing battle. He says, it was terrible. He says, and Eddie, you know, who became my friend, or had been my friend, I guess, at that time, but even a closer friend afterwards, um, he said, Eddie was went through the same thing last night. So I guess they were after a bunch of us in that church last night. But um, anyway, they, they didn't succeed. They failed, and it only made me stronger in my faith that Yeshua can... Um, rebuke these things that his name can rebuke them and um, that um, the name of Yahweh is uh, the name above all names and it is the uh, uh, the name of Yeshua is the name above all names and uh, he is Yahweh he is the Lord and uh, these things go away when you when you use his name and um, that's been our ministry for many years. Um, first with Joe um, Jordan, and then after, you know, that thing kind of went went awry um, with Jim Wilhelmson. Um, we we taught people, you know, use the name of Yeshua, use the name of Jesus, tell to get out of there in the name of Jesus. And I said, but you know what? It, it only works for a little while because they get wise and realize you have no power and authority to cast them out because you're not a believer if if you're not a believer that is and um i said but when you become one of his when you become adopted by the father you have all the rights of the of a son and one of those rights is using the name of his son to rebuke these things and when you start doing that and they realize that you're you're adopted by god then or, Yah or Yahweh or Elohim or Eloha or whatever name you, you choose to use um, he um, they realize that they're they're not just messing with somebody that's just using the name they're using somebody that's been adopted and that actually has a relationship with with uh, Yahweh a very personal and um, and childlike relationship with Yahweh and Yahweh protects his own and never try to rebuke them um, in your own power um, like saying get out of here in the name of Jesus I mean that works most of the time but um, there's a scripture that talks about um, I think it was Paul telling a story that uh, it says that even the Archangel Michael when he was contending for the, the body of Moses didn't come against him on his own but said the Lord rebuke you meaning or Lord meaning Yahweh so Michael just said Yahweh rebuke you and the devil had to leave and then I don't that's kind of a weird scripture because where did why did they want the body of Moses first of all um, was it special uh, we know that Moses appeared in the transfiguration with Yeshua in, in the scripture Moses and Elijah um, so are Moses and Elijah the two witnesses and was the devil trying to claim the body so that it couldn't be used later I don't know it's 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 a totally odd and someday when we get to heaven we'll figure out what that was all about and um, I mean if we really even care when we get there um, 
but that's that is going to be one of the questions I ask. Um, I don't intend on answering uh, entering heaven without answering a lot, asking a lot of questions. Um, I, I'm a curious kind of person, and I think Yahweh knows that. I know Yahweh knows that, and I think that the minute I get there, I think he he's going to know every question I'm going to ask ahead of time and give me answers before I have a before I have a chance to ask them. And uh, it's it's going to be a glorious day. Um, I like that old hymn: uh, "When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing it'll be! When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory." Um, Barbara and I both are, um, I would say we're both, we're, we call ourselves Bapticostals. Um, reason being that we like the, the firmness and the fundamentalism of the Baptist. Um, for the most part, for hundreds of years, except for the last few years when some of the Baptists have gotten really strange and, and are even accepting homosexuality, uh, the Southern Baptists are, are really getting weird with stuff like that. But uh, a lot of the regular Baptists are uh, still very rigid and firm in, in Scripture, and we like that. Um, we like it because when you go to a Baptist church, you don't see the weirdness that you see in a, in a charismatic church. I call them charismaniacs because that's what they are. Um, uh, I, I grew up uh, in my Christian walk. I grew up basically under the Pentecostal way of looking at things. So I do believe in the gifts and I believe in uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking tongues. Um I don't see that as a requirement to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but um, as one of the gifts that he gives you and as an evidence, and evidence, not the evidence. Um, and, and other things too, I, I've seen healings, I believe in healings um, and stuff like that. So I like the rigidness of the Baptists, but I like the freedom of the Pentecostals and you can mix them together. You just can't let the Baptists know that you you uh, you believe in the gifts because they'll ask you to leave. And um, if you're too rigid with uh, Scripture in a Pentecostal church, they're going to ask you to leave too because they believe in some of them believe in hyper freedom, and hyper freedom's not a good idea either. So um, I think it's important to have a, a good mixture of the two. And uh, I think I believe that Barbara and I are pretty well right on when it comes to that. Um, and I know a lot of you are too. I know it because I receive letters and stuff from from you folks. And um, you don't like the nonsense of the NAR, the New Apostolic Reformation. Um, when they start laying on graves and trying to get the spirit, the the excess Holy Spirit that was left in the person when they died. Well. If God takes the spirit of the person, what makes you think he's going to leave the Holy Spirit there? You know, um, they're, they're just way, they're whack jobs, man. I'm telling you, the NAR. Um, there's some of them that believe in the seven mountain theology, uh, which says that they, they want to take over seven elements of society to make a perfect world to present a perfect world to Yeshua when he returns. Well, Yeshua said in my scriptures that I read in the Bible that when he comes, he's going to have to come early because the world is going to be in such a sad state that if he didn't return early, all flesh might not survive. That doesn't sound like um, 
anybody's going to try to present him with a perfect earth. And why would that, why would he have to come back if, if you know, to, re to redeem mankind if, if everything's perfect? And it just doesn't make any sense. And, and people buy into this garbage. And we have some, some relatives through marriage that, um, that hold this, these doctrines. And it just kills me. That hurts me that, um, that people can be so pseudo-pious and, and, and so trusting in false doctrines that uh, they think that we're off, you know? And um, that's why I like being on the show with Brian, because Brian has that same mixture. The, he's, a, he's a Baptocostal, too, as far as, you know, if I was to label him. Um, he's, he's, we had a show not too, when, when he first started being on here, we had a show where we, we did, uh, can Christians have demons? Yes, they can. And, um, that's why, well, you know, if you read the account where Yeshua it talks about a house being swept out and that, because there's no residence in it, the former residents moved back in. Well, he was saying that you really have to, uh, the only chance of delivering somebody from an evil spirit is that that person comes to faith first or at the time that they're delivered from the from the demonic spirit because if you clean the house and then there's nothing in there to inhabit it then the evil spirits are going to say hey look at that house they cleaned it up for us let's go move back in there you know we, we have the right to do it because nobody else owns it you know uh, but if Yeshua owns you, then that's um, that's a good reason for them not to be able to come back in. Well, it looks like I've gone an hour and 52 minutes. Um, I hope I've talked enough about portals. I um, I know that they exist. I, uh, the scientists are right on when it comes to wormholes. Um, they will not call them portals. Oh, well, sometimes they do. Um, but uh, most of the time they refer to them as wormholes and they, they use it to uh, to say that these beings travel from other galaxies or other um, star systems to get to ours. No, they're just coming from another dimension into ours and they've been doing it for thousands of years. And um, my goodness, even the, even the pagans know this to be true. You know, the um, Native Americans know this to be true. Um, the uh, it's it's amazing how science will make uh, kind of make the claim that everybody else is an idiot except for them, and that they're the only ones that know the truth. When basically they're the ones that don't know the truth. But isn't that the way it always is? You always have people out there that um, what did Yeshua call them? Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. You know, and scientists do think that they're gods. They might not admit it, but um, take, for instance, evolutionists. You know, they believe in evolution. They've never seen it. They've never seen it in progress, and they've never produced it in a lab, yet they firmly believe in it. And that's called faith. So evolution's a religion, and um, they will never admit to it, but it is. Uh, Paul called uh, faith... Uh, um, evidence of things unseen and the no 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 I'm getting it wrong. Um, 
the proof of of things unseen and evidence of things no the evidence of things unseen and the proof of things hoped for something like that in other words believing in something that you can't see and hoping that that thing that you can't see can manifest into the physical and give you what you need and that's what evolutionists believe you know so it's, it's just another faith it's a humanist faith and it's designed to replace Yahweh so there's no two ways of looking at it you, if you're an evolutionist you're religious you're very religious you're even more religious than I am at least I give credit to um, a, a supernatural being for creating everything you think everything everything came out of nothing it was an accident um, that takes a lot of faith really does it takes a lot of faith to think that everything that happened was an accident and came from nothing what do they call it ex nilo um so anyway um i guess i'm gonna go ahead and end up this show um we'll be back next monday um and maybe a show before that i don't know i want to show off the background um yeah you know whatever <laughs> But uh, keep the delusion resistance and opposing the matrix in prayer because um, there's a lot of things that are coming against us and coming at us and and uh, we just we just covet your prayers right now and please only if you're a believer in Yeshua do this um, if you're a new ager or, or somebody else like that uh, don't pray for us okay um, we don't want the blessings of other gods. Even though they're they're false gods, we don't want their blessings, and uh, we only want blessings from Yeshua, um, Yahweh, and uh, the Father up above, um, being um, Elohim or El Shaddai or El Elyon, whatever you want to call him, but the Hebrew God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So. Anyway, um, that having been said, thank you for listening, and uh, we will be on the air again on Monday, hopefully with either Gordy Tong or with Russ Tanner, and um, look forward to that. It's going to be a really good show, and um, well, thanks again for being a faithful listening audience or watching audience now, and um, well, we, we just pray God's blessings on you, Yahweh's blessings on you. Through his son, Yeshua HaMashiach. And with that I say amen and amen and good night.